You're listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of At Home with Walkie MC. We're glad that you joined us today. Sitting to my right, Brant Nine, our executive leader here at our church, and to my left, the Angie Brenneman, our family pastor, and we're here for another episode talking about the series Rooted that we've been in here as a church. And uh, this last Sunday was episode, episode. (laughs) it was actually Sermon 6, which this would be the sixth episode in this this message series. And I got to tell you, the more I read 2 Peter, the more the one word that continues to jump out at me is this word remember or remind yourself. So I want to jump today into the text as we've turned the page into the last chapter. Now, the home stretch of this series, uh, chapter three of Second Peter, and he simply starts like this. He says, really, again, he restates the purpose. This is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. The word I want to I want to hang out on for a second is this idea of stimulating your thinking. I don't know what I don't know what he was exactly indicating, and I can't really exactly tell you what the mindset of the people in that season was. But the picture that comes into my mind is a picture of complacency, a, a, a position of okay, it, there's a there's a numbness to it, but the need to stimulate somebody's thinking is to to recharge it to. To, to make sure that you're seeing the power of this. What do you mm-hmm. think when you hear about stimulating? Yeah, I think we have to look at not only who he's talking to, but where he's sitting and his um, space as the author. And we have to remember he is in a prison cell. Life sentence is before him. So there's a lot of urgency in his writing. There's a lot of laying out this idea of legacy of what he wants them to do. And, you know, if we all think back to where we would be in this writing to our best friends, our family, things that we know that, hey, we only have a little bit to live. We're going to write, we're going to just lay it out and we're going to just hound it like, hey, this is what you have to remember. This is what you have to think about. And that's where I think this word comes is you got to think about, you have to know what you know to go and to live how you need to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think back to the classroom, a lot of times when you're preparing kids for like a test, it does feel like, hey, this is right before you die. <laughs> you know, you gotta know this stuff, yeah. this is it. Um, and, and I think adults can, can um, you know, come, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they can relate to that, there it is, uh, as well. When, when we're faced with a test before us, whether it's on paper or not, a lot of times we're, we're trying to stimulate our minds to remind ourselves of the most important things uh, in order to remember um, the things that are going to be on that test. And so um, in the classroom, a lot of times we would just spiral back. There's that word again. We'd go back to the things that we remember, the foundations that we remember, and we'd try to stimulate their, their thinking in a way that's going to bring it to the forefront uh, when they do take that test. And so... Um, that's how it relates in my in my mind to the classroom. Brant, you have coaching experience. I picture a coach in a huddle, <clears throat> and uh, you're coaching the basketball team, 
and you have the ball and you got 10 seconds to go the length of the court, mm-hmm. but you have a timeout before that play. Yeah. You're trying to get everybody focused. Yeah. Right. You're stimulating their thinking. Listen, hey, put all this game aside for a second. Here's what I want to make sure that you do not miss. This right. is how we're going to inbound yeah. the ball. Yeah. Don't forget option one. All right. Yep. This is where you're looking first. If that is not open, you have to look at option two. Yeah. We're going to get the ball down. We're going to do this and that. I'm yeah. stimulating your thinking. I'm focusing you. Right. On what's about to come. Yeah, because then when the adversity comes, you just you default back to what you know you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for like for the girls, we talk about this a lot of times it's overcoming your thought process too. You have to stimulate with the right things. And a lot of times we don't um, put, I guess, as much emphasis on the mental game, not only in our spiritual walk, but in our daily activities, because mentally we can get brought down so easily discouraged or a circumstance or anything. And so we need to stimulate our brain with positive verses and things that um, give us vision for what um, God really wants to do. And so I think that's where Peter's laying this out saying, remember, I want to stimulate your right wholesome Wholesome is a key word that follows stimulate because you got to do it the right way. We can all take a um, a bad, I guess, turn and go really um, into a really negative thought process so easily. It's kind of our natural human self default. Mm-hmm. I think this is critical for us today because I do believe that we live in a society of complacency. And I think that the church has found itself in very complacent attitudes. I go to church on Sunday. I love Jesus. I, you know, celebrate him on Sunday. I'm grateful for what he's done. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like a, eh, I'm okay. But I don't think that we've really lived a life for him or that I I get the sense that we're not really intentional about growing or really trying to apply a lot of that. So I think this is a great word. He goes on and he says, I I want to refresh your memory. Uh, Again, don't forget. uh, We we were talking a little bit ago uh, before we pushed record on this podcast. Like if you were sitting in prison and you knew that your death was coming, what would you want to pass on to your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, you would say, hey, I want to make sure that you do not forget this. Above everything else, if you if you don't remember anything else, remember this. Right. But I think that it's key that he, what he's saying, he's not just saying, remember this. He's saying, remember what's already happened. Let's go back and look at the prophets and let's mm-hmm. look at, through the apostles. So we learn from what we've already experienced. And I think that's really important that when we grow and we um, go through life and in our um, decision-making processes, that we go and learn from our past because our past teaches us. It teaches us who God is and his faithfulness, but it also teaches us our weaknesses. And I think we often would like to just not have um, a reality of like, oh, I'm weak in this, or I don't want to, I did this wrong. But that's actually where the learning um, really takes um, root and changes us is when we learn where we've made those mistakes in the past and move forward. It's where the wisdom comes from. Um, Mm -hmm. I think of that Lion Lion King, not Queen, uh, (laughs) scene where- Is that the sequel? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like third one. Um, Where Simba's running through the meadow- back to redeem his people, or at least he's considering it. And Rafiki hits him over the head with staff and goes, ow, what'd you do that for? And Rafiki goes, it doesn't matter. It's in the past. And, and Simba rubs his head and he's like, ah, oh, that really hurt. And Rafiki says something so wise. He goes, ah, yes, the past does hurt. And a lot of times we just don't want to go through that hurt to get to that spiritual growth. 
right? But we need to do that to move forward. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's telling his people. And then, you know what I really like is that he kind of lists this and he says, hey, remember this, stimulate your thought, you know, remember to do this. And then he says, but most importantly, yeah. would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. And you, go ahead. Yeah, even, even with that, if you consider just the, if you have your Bible open, uh, you can take time, uh, the listener, to take a look at your scriptures. I think it's interesting. In verse one, he says, I want to refresh your memory. In verse two, he says, I want you to remember, mm-hmm. which is what you were saying about the, the Holy Prophets. But you get to verse three. Most importantly, mm-hmm. I want to remind you mm. that in the last days. Yeah, most importantly. Yeah. Here's another thing. So as you three were times. preaching, yeah, three times. So as you were preaching on Sunday, I wrote some notes down knowing we were going to do this podcast. And every time you were, you know, kind of talking about through what is Peter saying that's coming and what is going to happen, it's going to have false prophets. There's going to be a, you know, challenge to what truth is. And we're going to have people who are scoffing and in the last days. And in the word that I thought of as you were sharing and in study is the word foreshadow. And a foreshadow is a warning and an indication of some to come. And I think this is really, I just really like how Peter writes because it just lays out this picture that it it translates to today so well. And we got to remember, uh, we always think, oh, we're living in the worst days ever. And where Peter's writing from, he had this. I mean, yeah. he had the scoffers, the mockers, the people imitating the story and the message and, and taking all these things. And here we are. It translates to our day to day here and now. And we're he's, he's warning us. He's giving that moment um, for us to say, guess what? Be aware there are going to be people that try to imitate who God is and take the message and and uh, ruin it and take truth and maybe make it just almost true, not 100% true. And so I just, I wrote that down. And I think sometimes we have to really um, be aware is what's God telling us? What warnings does the Bible give us? It's throughout scripture. We got to, we got to pay attention there. Right. A lot of times we deliberately look away from those warnings, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um Foreshadowing is one of the, my favorite subjects that I taught in school to students. It's how you are able to predict what's going to happen later in a novel, right? And mm-hmm. so I think back to the novel Bridge to Terabithia, <laughs> and if you know the story, great. If you don't, uh, spoiler alert. But along uh, this journey, there's these two friends that are in elementary school, and they come up with this, this um, imaginary world that's just beyond the creek bed that they have to swing into, and they call it Terabithia, and they are the king and queen of Terabithia. And they're just, they're really good friends, and their their friendship develops throughout the whole story. But as the story goes, the creek bed over the spring starts to rise, and, and the water starts to move a little bit quicker. And, you know, at, you can kind of see what's happening. And, and students, they're so smart. These these nine and 10-year-olds in fourth grade that I taught are like, something bad is going to happen. It keeps talking about how the water is rising. Mm. They could see the signs. They could see the, the warnings, the hints. <coughs> Excuse me. And, you know, in the end, Leslie does. She falls and she hits her head and she, and she dies. And it's this really sad part. But and the students the whole time leading up to it are like, no, we don't want this to happen. We, we don't want these hints. We don't want these warnings because who wants to deal with conflict? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And we want to avoid the warning. And I think this is what Peter already knows. Because guess what? Peter lived with Jesus and he walked with Jesus and he was aware of his own mistakes. I mean, yeah. he's the guy that had to be brought back after denying Christ three times, right? There as he went to the cross. Mm. 
And I think he's he's saying, you know what, there are going to be these um, times in our lives that we're going to stray. We got to come back. We got to be remembering what we need to hold to and what truth is and that there are going to be people trying to lead us astray. Do we have scoffers today? <laughs> you know, I, I think I, that's a word that sometimes we, we, we miss over. We go, scoffer, what do you mean? Somebody mocking uh, Christ, mocking mm-hmm. Christians, mocking somebody who's intent on following Jesus. Do we see that much today? Uh, Francie and I were watching the Super Bowl this weekend, and uh, one of the commercials was totally mocking the story of Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even remember what it was about, but yeah. they, they brought light to it by trying to advertise something else. It was avocados. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. And it was the whole premise of like, <laughs> we're naked and so are our avocados or whatever. Yeah. But it was totally mocking that the significance of that story. And, and in my mind, it's, it's using God's name in vain. It's using God in vain, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is for our benefit. We're going to pull this story out of the Bible for our benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, interesting. So it goes on. He says, uh, "Hey, there's going to be scoffers in the last days." And I was just talking on Sunday. I, you know, I think my opinion is when we talk about last days, I think people get to the idea of of this is yet to come. Still, I, my opinion is I think the last days existed when Jesus ascended into heaven in the time period between when he actually comes back, as he said he would. Uh, my opinion is man, our entire life has been lived in the last days, living in a, in anticipation of a coming Christ for the second time. And mm-hmm. and so he says, there's going to be scoffers. And people are going to start to ask these questions like, well, well, where is this Jesus mm-hmm. that, that you say was going to come back as though, you know, he should come back immediately. Um, but I think it's really an interesting, interesting take because we see that still play out a lot today. A lot of arguments you see online is people still using those same types of phrases. Hey, where are, where, you know, where's Jesus if he's coming back? He is never coming back. He's been dead for so long. And, and the anticipation is just not there. But for the follower of Jesus, we continue to get mocked along those lines. Yeah. I think there's a key verse here before I want, I want to kind of add to that thought at the end because he kind of wraps it up with this verse in verse 9. But he says this key word, and, it, and I think we have to remember that the scoffers come. He's warning of the scoffers. He's warning of the um, truth slayers, I guess you would call them, mm-hmm. people who um, want to take down truth. And he says, guess what? what they deliberately forget so he turns he, he flips the script is what he does mm-hmm. and he turns the table and he says guess what they're going to do it deliberately yeah. and this i i think that um we have to remember deliberate is two it can be used two different ways correct brant yep it can be you yeah. can tell us what it is yeah it's an <laughs> adjective and a verb yeah and here's the deal we can deliberate we can make a decision that's a verb but yeah. this is a adjective that explains that we are doing something on purpose yeah, intentional an intentional decision and this is where i think the character of god comes out in scripture and we have to remember that god does give us this side of choice Mm-hmm. And they're now, making. No, I choice. thought it was interesting. You actually, Angie, did more homework than I did on this sermon. <laughs> uh, so I was reading this out of the New Living Translation. But you mentioned you looked at yep. other translations. Yep, and each translation they don't change this word, which is really for me. Sometimes when you go between um, King James or to NL, um, NIV, NLT, ESV, I did Common mm-hmm. English, all the, and they still use this word deliberate. And I think it just explains so intentionally. Of what they did. Yeah, it's like the one time the English language does have the w- right word. Yeah. Right, that right. it was so intentional in their 
um, despise and their change and what they went against, that they forgot what God had done and yeah. what God was doing. So, so he really gives three different proofs or three mm-hmm. different tests towards this. He says they deliberately forget, and he talks about creation, the mm-hmm. fact that God created uh, the heavens and the earth, and he was a part of that creation of all things from the very beginning, because they're going to say, you know, nothing's ever changed since the beginning of time. And he said, no, hang on a second, let's talk about creation. The second thing he says, they deliberately forget that catastrophic catastrophic judgment that, uh, that, that the Lord had brought upon the earth, and that was in the day of Noah. They deliberately forget that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that we often think, well, you know, creation, um, maybe they just say, hey, there's this big bang. And I think you, you talk, I loved how you said it on Sunday. Yeah. You said, there's this big bang. God said, let there be light and bang, there was light. And I think, <laughs> you know, we, and I know my kids have studied this in school. It's in this, it's in the textbooks. The big bang theory is. And so we're deliberately writing that into our um, education system. And so I'm going to say that, you know, here we stand that creation and how it happened we don't necessarily know, like, this is why this verse nine is so key in explaining that God's days are not necessarily our days. And so, yeah, we have it laid out in scripture, but he is the creator and he created us and designed us to know him. Because when you know who you are and how intricately mm-hmm. and how specifically you are made, it points to one thing, and that is a creator. Yeah. But mockers... Mockers and scoffers today go, I can't believe you are that narrow-minded, that shallow to actually think that creation happened in, in, in the way that God says it did. I'll tell you, to, to me, I think it takes immeasurable faith oh. to think that evolution happened. Oh, you know, I've, I've done more. my study. Mm-hmm. I've done all that. And, and people go, well, scientifically, you know what? Well, that's just garbage. Okay, here's mm-hmm. the deal. Here's my thinking. Uh, because if two things bang together and the intricacies of all the detail of, of, of the human body, of the solar system, all of the intricacies of this design, uh, you, you can't tell me that there's not an origin or creation and a creator involved in all of that. That's just my opinion. But I think that's another sign of the scoffers and the mockers that would say, you're shallow-minded enough to believe in this entity. And I say, um, if that's what you're calling it, uh, yeah, right. I guess I am. Well, and that's the thing is the second point that they deliberately forget the flood and that I think it's saying they deliberately forget that there is a just God. They deliberately forget that there is going to be consequences for sin. Because you know what, Chris? Isn't everybody just good? And don't just God is a God of love. It's just all going to work out. You know, it's not a big deal. Uh, it doesn't matter what you believe. A loving God would, would not, not send anybody to hell. We yeah. hear That's what we hear. And they forget that there was all, a judgment. All the more reason. I'm not fixing to preach again, Angie. <laughs> Sorry, all all, all the more reason why we need to stimulate our thinking and remember these principles. Because when people start to start in on that kind of mockery, then I think we need to remember. No, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Right. I don't think that sounds quite right. Right. But so we have to be aware. We have to go forward. And this is where I think that last part there that talks about um, the whole idea about who God is and that his days and um, his hours are different than ours. Do you want to talk about that, Chris, what you kind of ended there in the last um, two verses, eight and nine? 
Yeah, absolutely. So it, it basically goes on, and he talks about the third one, about a fire to come, a judgment to come. But he shifts, and he says, now listen, uh, in, in a lot of ways, a response to people who, who do mock and, and scoff at God's plan on this. He says in verse 8, But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years like a day. And I think what Peter's trying to, to illustrate here is the idea that God is not measured or bound by our schedules, our timeline. Uh, that's pretty important because uh, you, you, I went back and I talked a bit about the timeline in Scripture and how thousands of years could pass, how you could go back all the way to Deuteronomy when Moses refers to a prophet in Deuteronomy 18, and then you got the different prophets along the way, Isaiah and, and others, and you come to the finally having the Messiah. That was like 1,400 years. You have the 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and New Testament. People had to start to wonder, in my lifetime, is the Messiah ever going to come? Mm-hmm. Is it ever going to happen? And then it happens. Wow, okay, it happened. But now Christ ascended, and the timeline is now 2,000-some years later, and all of a sudden we act like we ought to be worked up about that. I'm not worked up about that. I look at Scripture and I go, time is measured in, in, in a way that I don't measure it. You know, a lot of people in our day and age and and for generations in the past have always speculated, now is when the Lord is going to return. He's going to return in my lifetime. If I had a dollar for every time, you know, you could hear that catchphrase, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'd be a rich person. A lot of people are saying, you know, well, the Lord's going to return in our timeline. Listen, follower of Jesus, listen, he might, but I'm preparing that he won't. But let's live life, not, not uh, it's still in anticipation of his coming, but let's not be bound by the fact that, wow, I'm disappointed he didn't come. Reality is we have to be prepared when he individually comes for each of us, and if he comes corporately for his bride, those who are following him, then great, but nonetheless, we're ready. Mm-hmm. I think this is where we put God in a box. I think we try to box it up in our human brains and we try to make a human understanding of what God is doing. And that is actually, I love it how it's, how you can say it this way. It's the mystery of God that we, we as humans will not ever wrap our minds around. And that's what this verse defines. And that is so important to, to understand that and to live in that knowing, you know what, it's, Day is not my day. It's God's day. And it may look different in his eyes than it does in mine. And and I even went down and I jotted a couple um, reminders to myself in scripture. It took uh, David, what, how many years? 15 years to ascend to the throne. 15 years. Joseph was in prison for seven. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. And, you have to, and he even thought, I think they forgot about me. Yeah. yeah right? So I just think that we, we just... We just want everything so quickly, and yet God is kind of that. He's just um, brewing and, and showing and giving us the opportunity to know him, and that's where this last verse ties in. Yeah. Uh, before no, go you ahead. go into that. Yeah. It, it, it's so telling of human race from the very beginning because you think about the Israelites who are being led out of Egypt and the complaining that they kept doing even after the Lord was, you know, saving them from slavery and then providing uh, water from a rock and providing bread to fall from the sky and like all these things. And, and they'd still second guess his his provision and, and guidance through that. I just got to say, <clears throat> as I listened to the to your words this past weekend and as we we hit on the Lord 
uh, that verse 9 there, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as his people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. That made me emotional um, to think of how far I've come in my faith and the Mm -hmm. Lord has allowed me time uh, for that. And, you know, we sit, as Christians, we're supposed to be sitting on the edge of our seats in anticipation. And I don't know if we're, we're all there yet. And the Lord is patiently waiting for us to get there. And I got to just say, like, I feel like I'm there, you know, and, and I pray that for, for other believers that they get there because that feeling is just so freeing that I, I want to be just like the disciples were. They were, they were anxiously waiting. Those, the people on those, that day was, were anxiously awaiting for a Messiah to come and save them. Man, I'm anxiously awaiting for the Messiah to return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the thing that stood out to me the most about that section of Scripture is, again, the scoffers who say, hey, listen, if a loving God, if a loving God, I think that right there points to a loving God. Why is he slow in his return? Mm -hmm. So that more people come to the knowledge of who he is, the saving knowledge of who he is, the grace that he offers. He is patient even when the world is mocking him and are critical of him. uh, He is still slow in his, Mm -hmm. his, his process of coming. Because he wants that more people could come. Yeah, that's just such a beautiful picture in how much he loves. Like that paints a picture of love that's so different than what the world thinks. That love is meeting my need now and and giving what I think I need. We live in a world of immediate satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. And he is um, all about waiting and wanting us to know him and bring everyone into repentance. And that's kind of what that verse 9 is says. Yeah, that key word sticks out to me is the personal nature of who God is. And uh, as as we ended on Sunday, uh, he does not want that anyone would be destroyed. He doesn't want anyone. anyone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's personal because that tells me he thinks about me. He thinks about you. He thinks about individually people, not just groups of people, but there's an individual thought. God thinks of you. He tells us in Scripture we're intimately and wonderfully, fearfully and wonderfully made. We are made individually, and he cares about that. And And so to the listener today, God cares about you. He thinks about you. He wants you to live in a right relationship with him. He died for you. And you you always hear this, especially around Easter time when we start talking about the crucifixion. He died for you, and if you were the only person, he would have still died for you. You are worth it. And the issue on, that I see is then, do we act like we're worth it? Do we mm-hmm. treat him like we're grateful for that gift, that sacrifice? And and frankly, I don't I think we get very, very comfortable and we forget all about that. And that's what Peter's saying how many times throughout this. Don't forget, remember this. Remember that he wants you to know him and that he comes seeking you, wanting and doing this for you. And I I just see it as a movie, like kind of the the movie reel. We all wait for that. And, you know, and Mm -hmm. as Peter's writing this, you could just see it. His intensity is just really increasing. And he's saying, man, God loves you. He cares about you. Be warned and, and, you know, be aware. Don't fall for the temptations around you, but walk and and live in that love that he wants you to to live in and share that story with the people around you. Mm -hmm. And that's why I just think it relates so much to today. 
I was convicted. Uh, I am guilty of saying, and I, and I confess this on Sunday, I'm guilty of saying, man, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready. And that's not a bad thing uh, to want and to be in a, in a position where we're anticipating, we're excited about that. But it also almost presents this idea that I'm going to sit on the sidelines, just wait. Come, mm-hmm. come quickly, Lord Jesus. But if anything, I, I think I've had a check in my attitude. Uh, I'm actually hopeful that the Lord delays. Uh, it's almost like, Lord, I, I'm with you when you said you are slow to return. Please, Lord, remain patient. Lord, please take your time. Why? We've got more work to do. Right. And to the follower that's listening even into this, I challenge you, uh, don't sit on the sidelines waiting. Take advantage of the Lord's slowness in returning. Take advantage of that and start to tell people about who Jesus is and the sacrifice he made for them so that not one, anyone, would perish. Right. And I think one of the points that you made, and we have to remember that, is that our response to all of this is our responsibility in it. No excuses. No. We have to remember, too, if we pray that prayer of, you know, be patient in your return, Lord, for the sake of others, that means that there's going to be more suffering. That means that there's going to be more persecution. But even so, we press on. Press on. There was a hymn in the past, and I can remember my mom singing different parts of it around the house or hear my grandpa saying this uh, on a Sunday morning when I was a little kid, uh, the song, it will be worth it all. <laughs> it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. You know, and Brant, the very thing you say, Leah, you know what, by, by saying, Lord, thank you for your slowness, continue to be slow, uh, it does mean more pain. But at the end of the day, it'll be worth it all. Right. Mm-hmm. Eternity hangs in the balance. So to the listener, hey, thanks for joining us as we kind of deliberate on this last section of scripture that we've been talking about on Sunday mornings. And we're going to have one more episode here. There's going to be one more message here in a couple of weeks that will wrap up this whole Second Peter thing. But we're just glad that you've gone on this journey with us. So thank you so much for tuning in. And, and take time. Share this episode with somebody else. Share this series with somebody else who might benefit from the need to be reminded or remember or even possibly somebody who doesn't know Jesus and, and the reminder of who Jesus is and why it's important that we follow him. So we just say thank you to the listener. And in the meantime, we wish you all the best and we wish you grace and peace. Thank you. At Home, the podcast is produced by the Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org and clicking on the At Home tab. Thanks for listening.